Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Yes, indeed. The Weekend Report is on your radio, and we appreciate you listening to it. Tony Colombo here. My partner, Chris Arps, right there. Tony, Tony, Tony. Has done it again. Great to see you. <laughs> hey, how was the uh, the Bass 100-pound catfish yeah, tournament? Catfish how did that go? classic. You was know there, what? Did you catch one? So a little bit earlier today <laughs> during Second Amendment Radio, we actually talked to Mark McMurray, uh-huh. the... Uh, owner of Bluff City Outdoors and the organizer of the Alton Catfish Classic, which was last weekend. And uh, you can go back and you can listen to that interview. Just download the podcast of Second Amendment Radio. Uh, but yeah, it was amazing. The big fish was a 92-pound catfish. That's a lot of eating. Yeah, it was funny because the winning team was about 96 pounds when you put their three fish together. Okay. Mm. The guy who caught the big fish at 92 mm. pounds Almost only won. only put in one other fish that was like a pound and a half. That's all oh. he needed, though, right? Well, no, because he, no, he didn't second. win. He finished oh. second. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the team that had like three 32-pounders yeah. were able to win. Carl, you can see I don't go to many yeah. fishing tournaments. I didn't understand. It's all about so, the weight, work. Chris. Yeah, go back and check that out. It was a great time. Go check out that interview on the Second Amendment Radio podcast. Uh, and big thanks to Mark McMurray, who's been such a big supporter of this radio station. And this... This fine program. Uh, we I was have at got... Long John Silver's, and I thought about you Saturdays. Well, that's why I appreciate that's that. That's why it came to mind. That's 92 pounds of breading. <laughs> we have You're a, right. We have a big show today. We have, once again, Carl Middleman, producer <laughs> to the stars, has come through and booked a heck of a show that you don't want to miss. Uh, coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk to James Knowles, the Ferguson mayor, the mayor of Ferguson, Missouri, and he is also the president of the Municipal League, which Mm -hmm. has made some news this week. The Municipal League was sort of the main organization that was opposing Better Together and the idea of a city-county merger. Mm -hmm. News reports out this week that say that there is a new merger plan being put together by... The Municipal League. Huh. Doesn't seem to make any sense. Don't tell Mark Cox. So we'll get that cleared up. Yeah, we'll get that cleared <laughs> up with uh, with James Knowles coming up in the next segment and see what is going on with that. My guess is there's some gaps that need to be filled in. A lot of gaps. <laughs> and I have some questions. Yes, me too. My uh, my guess is there's lots of gaps that need to be filled in and, and filled in, and James will do that for us. Also, coming up a little bit later on this hour, we are going to talk once again to Karen Fessler. She is our Iowa political insider. Of course, the Iowa caucus keeps getting closer and closer, and the eyes of the political world, the election world, are on Iowa. And Karen is going to give us an update of what's Mm -hmm. happening there on the ground. And then we are going to start next hour with the return of Corey Lewandowski to the weekend report. Fresh off the hot seat. In uh, on Capitol Hill, the he was seat? there for the the hot seat okay. on Capitol Hill. He was there for the impeachment probe, I think is what it was called. Um, the hot made seat? a whole lot of news. I don't think there was any bigger news in uh, in the uh, national news cycle this week than Corey Lewandowski and the impeachment probe of the House Judiciary Committee. So. 
He made fools of those folks. He really did. He really, that was he really, <laughs> very entertaining. He really, I mean, he handled himself very well. And we're going to talk to him he about that. stupid. And uh, last time you, last time Corey was on the show, you really uh, leaned on well, him to make an announcement about yeah. uh, the his him running for Senate or not. Uh, maybe we can get him to finally make that announcement right here on the Weekend Report. We'll twist his arm. Yeah. All right. We got so, Carl here to help us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's about that's about exactly one hour from now at the top of the six o'clock hour. That's when we're going to talk to Corey Lewandowski. Also next hour is the return of Skip Weber yeah, and the Weird News Miss Challenge. Skip. And this Weird News Challenge is going to be different than any other game we have played. We just a couple weeks ago celebrated the fiftieth episode of the Weird News Challenge. And episode 51 is going to be unlike any other that we have done, and you don't want to miss it. Skip is going to be in for that. Also, our friend Trish Gazelle from 102.5. That doesn't sound like it's going to be good for me, though. I don't know. Well, I guess we're going to find out. I don't do well in special (laughs) games. It's going to be different. We will... We'll let you know throughout the show. I'll, I'll let you know uh, what's happening with that. So we have got a packed show. Lots of great guests. Uh, so don't go anywhere right now. I want to start with what we call the week in review. Kind of go through some of these big stories of the week. Uh, let's start with that impeachment probe that we are going to talk to Corey Lewandowski about at the top of the next hour. Uh, obviously, we're going to get his thoughts on what happened on Capitol Hill. What are your thoughts, Chris Arps, on what happened on Capitol Hill with that impeachment probe? Well, I think Corey Lewandowski, I think the president and everyone else who call these impeachment probe hearings, quote unquote, a witch hunt are are exactly right. You know, we talked about at the beginning of the show, Corey Lewandowski gave a primer on how to uh, (laughs) conduct yourself on, on hearings that are basically amount to a witch hunt. I think this is a joke. I think the Democrats are going to be be known once again as the party of impeachment. They're not only talking about impeaching President uh, Trump, but they're also now talking about impeaching Judge Kavanaugh, which is another issue we'll probably get into. So I think the Democrats are listening to their far left wing base who are supporting impeachment. But I think in the long run, this is a winner. And when it comes to President Trump and whoever they nominate to run against him, they're not going to have any legislative achievements. The only thing that's going to be in the public's mind is impeachment. I don't mean to, I don't mean to to sound so go ahead uh, one sided <laughs> and okay. so just uh, uh, against a group of politicians. It's okay. But do the Democrats just have no shame? Because their behavior, rhetorical? their behavior. <laughs> I mean, it's un, it's unbelievable. And look, and, and I don't put much past any politician. So maybe the Republicans would be doing the same thing if they were if there was a Democrat in office that they that they didn't like. But I have just never seen a, a political party behave the way that they have behaved in the last two and a half years. The obstruction, the twisting of facts, the creation of of facts in some cases and i mean i just can't i just can't even envision what it would have been like to see uh, david axelrod who ran uh, barack obama's campaign sitting in front of a republic republican led house judiciary committee in some uh, something called an impeachment probe Mm -hmm. it's just i can't believe we're here and it scares me for the future of the country that 
this is where politics have gone. I mean, the bottom line, Tony, and you hear this all the time, and it sounds like a political talking point or a cliche, but the Democrats' behavior shows that this is true. They have not gotten over the 2016 election. They thought uh, Hillary Clinton was a shoe-in to win, and they can't believe that the country has made a mistake by electing Donald Trump, and they've got it in their craw, and they just can't let it go. And because they all uh, live and work in an echo chamber, they believe that the Twitterverse that's behind this and the people that they go to the cocktail hours with believe this also, but they don't understand that the people that are in this radio network and flyover country are not for this. And they're just heading over the cliff like lemmings, thinking this is what the American people want. Uh, I'm going to tie two stories in together here that I want to get your thoughts on, Chris. Uh, the uh, the idea of blackface is back oh in the in the news with uh, the situation with the Canadian Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau. He was revealed to have worn blackface or brownface yes. now as a as a term that we're using because he was um, in, he was dressed as an Indian as Aladdin. He was yeah. It was an Arabian Nights party in 2001. He wore blackface at a, at a talent show in high school uh, where he sang uh, "Deo," yeah. the Jamaican Deo! folk song. Yes. Deo. Um, a Elefante. video has come out of him wearing blackface at another event when he was a young man, and when he was actually asked, yeah. he was t- he, he how many times. He's yeah. he's b- worn blackface. He said he couldn't he couldn't say. So there must be even more. There have been three, three known, confirmed. Yeah. Right, but he when asked how many times have you done it, he said I don't know. Well, I'm going to so, tell you. That's not as good. a as a person who has worn blackface his entire life. Uh, it depends on me the context. <laughs> of why they are wearing blackface. If you are at a Halloween party or you're at a talent show and you're dressing up like Diana Ross or a character from a a, a business mo- Disney movie, yeah. that doesn't bother me. But if you're dressing up as Amos and Andy or you're doing minstrel actions yeah. and you're doing something offensive yeah. on purpose to mimic black people to bring them down, that's where I have the problem. And this cor- political correctness where something is harmful is dressing up as Aladdin or the other person, the, the celebrity that dressed up as Diana Ross at a Halloween party, yeah. and now that is considered racist and offensive and you have to go on national TV and bare your soul and apologize for being insensitive and because of your privilege, it's just getting ridiculous. Ridiculous. I know there are it's kids. I know there are kids that were, you know, uh, in in middle school in the nineties that wanted to be Michael Jordan and probably put on a, jo- a Michael Jordan I, basketball. I have no problem with that, but now they're going to be, once that comes out, yeah, now they're going to be apologizing done. that I idolized Michael Jordan in middle school and I wore brown paint at a school party and now I'm a racist. And you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's really interesting and enlightening to talk to you about this subject because, because the I'm way, black? Yeah, well, and because <laughs> the, way that the, media, yeah. the way that the media blackface. portrays it is that every time a picture of a person in blackface gets put on a television screen or printed in an article somewhere, every single black person in America is deeply, deeply offended. And it has to be in context. I mean, look, if someone, like what happened with former Governor Mel Carnahan in the 2000 election, it came out in the 60s that he wore blackface with a couple of other gentlemen at a Kiwanis Club meeting in like 1961. 
Yes, that's wrong, but you've got to put it in the context at that that time people weren't necessarily trying to be racist or offensive, but that act wasn't offensive. Most you know, frustrating just, thing we, we lack context yeah. in all all of these so-called controversies. Amen. Now. We we need to look at them in the context that they were held in, and we need to have a little bit of consistency because what drives me crazy is that for some people. A picture of them in high school with blackface on it could be a career ender. It could be the end of their public life. And some and some people, it's not even a speed bump. Yeah. It doesn't affect them in any way. It just kind of depends on how woke you are and how accepted you are. Well, by... it, it all depends on if you want to look at it in context. The thing with Jimmy Kimmel and all of them, people looked at what that was. He wasn't trying to be offensive. He right. was wearing brown face as a <laughs> comedy skit, but he wasn't trying to offend people. You know, with the liberals, they can put things in context when it comes to racial matters. But if it's a conservative or a Republican, there is no context. Everything has to put be put in today's uh, realm, and you're considered automatically a racist because of blackface. So here's the it's other ridiculous. story. A video made by Joy Reid this week <laughs> made some waves. In the video, Reid said that white Christian men in America are willing to enact apartheid to maintain power. She says, quote, no country is an eternal democracy. And when you have a very determined minority, in this case, wealthy white men and wealthy white Christian men and Christian Americans who are the fundamentalist variety, who are very clear that no matter what happens, if they have to pull the South Africa model to maintain power forever, they will do it. And they're not afraid of it. And they're increasingly open about it. And Donald Trump is merely an avatar for this. Are hmm. you? Have you heard any Christians being open about the idea of enacting apartheid to stay in power? Because apparently, she says that it's in, that people are increasingly open about it. Look, and all, Donald Trump is leading the charge. All this is is amalgamation of black liberal uh, nationalist theology and feminist theology all combined in, in into one. I don't know anyone that thinks that white Christian men are the or want to uh, turn this country into apartheid. You know, I've said this many times on the radio here and in other places that there has been a disturbing trend among the African-American community that has gotten away from traditional Christianity and view that as, quote-unquote, the white man's religion. And I think Joy Reid's comments are a reflection of that when she talks about white Christian men. I think that's just part of that that philosophy. And also she's an adherent to fem, fem, uh, feminism, and that incorporates that too. It's just nonsense. It's just politics <laughs> of anger and division. And I just think in the long run it doesn't help anybody, especially black people, the people she supposedly wants to help. So when I go to church, my church, and, and, and Gabe Pfeiffer, uh, who's on the show and on the station a whole bunch, is part of that church as well. Uh, I don't go nearly as much as I should, but when I do go, it's 50-50, if not 60-40 in African-American representation over the white people that go to my church. So for me, and it, and it's always been that way growing mm. up in North County. And for me, the this idea that you just put out there that I'm I'm just hearing about for the first time yeah. that not not from you just now, but I mean just recently that suddenly Christianity is a white man's yeah. religion. It's more you see it among the, I, I my know. generation below millennials, especially just, millennials. It's just mind blowing to me because it's always been in the churches that I've been. Mm -hmm. 
the African-American community has always been very represented in the Christian churches that mm-hmm. I have gone to and some of the most religious people that I know and some of the smartest religious scholars yeah. that I know are are black men and yeah. women. So this idea of Christianity is is the white man's religion now well, I mean, and, it's, and it's and it's going to be what it, but that's always trigger apartheid. In but this that's country? always been a, a mindset. It's always been there. The Black Panthers and people in the '60s were trying to get people away from religion, uh, Christianity, because it was the white man's religion. That was a religion that was given to us during slavery. Um, most black people have rejected that. Uh, my parents' generation, my generation, uh, are still strongly Christian and still believe in that. But what you're seeing, though, is the millennial generation. The 20s and below, they are rejecting Christianity and they well, are they're rejecting religion, religion. Well, yeah. no, or organized religion. They're, they're not. They're not. What they are embracing is this uh, pseudo uh, religion that's based on our quote unquote Egyptian ancestors where we pray to our dead ancestors for guidance and uh, we use the third eye so they are practicing religion Spiritualism. it's not christi it's christianity it's the tradition it's a religion that we had in africa that's was our natural religion and that's what they are are going back to well let's uh uh before we end this segment i want to uh, have a little bit of fun and uh maybe this will affect <laughs> everybody's religion going forward uh did you see that the you, you are you familiar with the ufo tapes yeah, the, the tic tac. They call it the tic tac. Little yes, white it dot. looks like a tic tac. The video uh, that came out a couple of years ago that is from the Navy. The Navy, the Navy confirmed this week that those videos are real. They didn't. And, they don't know what they are, and they yeah. don't. They don't know what they are. It is they don't an know unidentified flying object. They're not saying that mm-hmm. they are alien, but they're saying. We don't know what this is, and we've never seen. And it's real, a, a undoctored. Cra- yes, yeah. it's real, undoctored footage. We don't. The craft is not anything that we are capable yeah. of duplicating. Um, I'm not surprised. Are the aliens here? I don't think they're aliens, and we've talked about this before. From my uh, spiritual religion, Christianity, my oh, viewpoint yes. is that I don't believe these are aliens. I believe what these are manifestations are, are angels. And uh, if you look at the Christian religion, they talk about angels. Uh, we have our own personal angels that protect us. There are angels that protect nations. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe these are angels that are protecting the United States. So, yeah, I believe in they are seeing something. I don't believe they're aliens. I think these are spiritual beings. Are they aliens, Carl? I don't believe they are the aliens that everyone is wasting their time spending <laughs> in uh, Utah this weekend. I think it is. It doesn't. Who's to say, Chris, that they the thing you are talking about might be the same thing that Tony's talking in about. In terms of what? Yeah. In, Alien, maybe how aliens do we know that are aliens, angels? Are, aliens are angels? We don't know. because Now your mind's blown. No, because my because <laughs> if you're a Christian and your Bible tells you these are aliens, these are these are creatures that are made in God who are a, a higher above us spiritually and on a different realm. So it, yeah, I, lo- I, I actually uh, love that. I, I love that interpretation. And that's what's really cool about the fact that these are real videos. Yeah. Is now we know there's something there 
and let's figure it out. And are then the they'll angels, figure it out, and then aliens? it was a hoax. And are they <laughs> Chinese technology that we're unaware of? Um, but it's uh, it's cool they're, stuff. They're angels. Yep, we got to wrap it up. Uh, but we have got a huge show for you Full. today. Corey Lewandowski coming up later. Karen Fessler from Iowa, and uh, James Knowles, the mayor of Ferguson, is going to join us next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. And welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk, Tony Colombo, Chris Arps, Carl Middleman in studio. And joining us on the phone, as I mentioned in that last segment, our friend James Knowles, the mayor of Ferguson. Uh, great to talk with you, Mr. Mayor. How are you doing today? Yeah, you bet. Um, so... You you are a member of the Municipal League, which, if people will remember, was uh, one of the groups that was opposed to the Better Together group. That was the Better Together group, of course, was the main driving force behind city-county merger a few months ago that ended up kind of collapsing. Um, can, you, can you explain what the Municipal League is and, and what your role uh, with that group is? Sure. Uh, I'm the president uh, for this year for the uh, St. Louis uh, Municipal League. You know, we were one of the groups, uh, there was a couple groups that we worked with, but we were one of the groups that strongly opposed, uh, you know, Better Together's process and ultimately their plan to try to force uh, a large-scale merger uh, on the St. Louis city and county region. And so one of the things that uh, we really uh, thought was bad about the Better Together plan was the process in which they underwent to come up with this plan. We've said all along that we think there needs to be a conversation, there needs to be an inclusive process that people can participate in throughout the area, not just elites, not just people who are backed by, you know, billionaires' money. We want to have a conversation about what we think we can improve in our region and actually figure out um, what that is, not have some plan kind of backdoor right. Uh, put into place. And so we went out and collected the uh, signatures, which we now have in both the city and the county, to establish a board of freeholders, which will be appointed by the mayor, the county executive, and one by the governor, who will actually take the next year, we hope, to have a participatory process, an inclusive process, a conversation throughout the St. Louis region about what is going on in our communities, what do we think we can do better, and how we could do that, especially as it pertains to uh, our government and our structures. You know, people say, well, this could be another better together. This could be a merger. You know, there's been merger plans put forth in the past by the border freeholders. There's also been plans like MSD. MSD was created by the border freeholders in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be, you know, there's a lot of speculation this is better together too. Certainly the municipal league doesn't support that. Uh, we're the ones that spent the time and the money to make this a reality. What we want is for people and the people's voices to be heard yeah. in this process, and I think that's what we're going to do now. So to that point, and, and I'm and I'm glad you're clearing that up here because a few days ago, and when I when I called you and, and to set up this interview, it was fresh off reading a local news report that uh, the better the, not better together, but the city county merger idea was back, and it was being led by the municipal league, and I'm thinking. 
Was it the Municipal League, the group that opposed the city-county merger and the Better Together plan the most? But uh, as you you said just now, there's been some sort of misleading headlines. Um, It doesn't sound like you've just picked up the ball where Better Together left off. You're trying to do it, um, uh, no pun intended, but better than, than they did. And... And well, we're trying the, to take the ball away from them. Yeah, your idea <laughs> of a merger um, would it would it uh, would it include what the Better Together plan did as far as the elimination of municipalities around St. Louis County? I mean, you being the mayor of Ferguson uh, under Better Together's plan, you know, there would not be a mayor of of Ferguson, and, there, and it would have just all been uh, uh, sort of enveloped in this idea of one giant city. Have you guys come along far careful. enough? Yeah, go ahead. We've been careful not to forward a plan because we believe that this whole conversation should be organic. Once the group is formed, once the Board of Freeholders is formed, they have complete autonomy to come up with a plan. Now, that, I mean, that means that, you know, after all the money and the time that the municipal league spent, this could end up being a terrible plan. And if it is, we'll oppose it. But we hope that between our input, the community's input, citizens and business input, that we can come up with a plan that would be very beneficial for the region. We have no um, real idea what that plan would look like. This is about the process. We think we should go into the process with an open mind. Now, we also believe that local government is important. We believe that government that governs closest to the people governs best, very conservative kind of idea. And we believe that our municipalities are very important to uh, serving our residents and our citizens. Uh, But at the same time, you know, we have to look at, you know, what communities are doing right, what communities are doing wrong, what we can do better. Um, You know, we've seen some talk about some communities that have failed. How can we make them succeed? Um, You know, there's this is all going to be part of, I think, a very robust conversation. But we are certainly not forwarding a plan uh, at this point to go either way. But we're definitely going to be giving our input along the way. We're definitely going to be talking about the value of our local communities and how those can be partners in improving our region and dealing with some of the regional problems we have from infrastructure, economic development to crime. We're going to be involved in that every step of the way. And we want people to be involved in that too. That way we can have a plan that we can all get behind, whatever that may look like, but hopefully make some improvements in our region things that we've been ignoring for years. Mr. Mayor, many will say that the residents of St. Louis City and St. Louis County and the region have spoken very loudly these last couple of years when Better uh, Together was trying to offer a plan to merge the city and county. You had different municipal governments were putting out uh, resolutions. You had people in in St. Louis, St. Charles County uh, were putting out resolutions. Uh, many will say it doesn't matter if Better Together is offering a unification plan or if uh, the Municipal League, through the freeholders process, is offering a unification plan. It seems that the public is not on board with this. What would you say to uh, critics that say that? Well, I already said we're not offering any plan, especially a unification plan. Hmm. And we're not offering anything other than an opportunity to talk yeah, about Yeah, Chris. The issues. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, but but you look at. I mean, we just had we just had this long drawn out thing. We just had the, we just had this long no, drawn out thing with You're better right. together, and it's like you know, let the people kind of chill for a second before you come about. Well, even if it well, is the freeholders so, and it's a more well, open well, process, well, I get that. I just don't think people are for this. Timeline. <laughs> well, let's remember the timeline here. 
when when people were fighting better together, we submitted the Board of Freeholders as an option to essentially take uh, take the ball away from better together. They wanted to jam it down our throat through the state legislature, uh, either putting it on the ballot, constitutional amendment, or to have signatures to put it on the constitutional amendment on the ballot. Yeah. We said, look, there's a way to do this locally. We and, were already halfway and, through the process when Better Together went to fall. And I get that, James. Yeah. When think, I'm, uh, but, we my, think, but we think to continue, when we think at this point, look, we've already spent thousands of hours of man time and a lot of money to say, now let's have the conversation that we should have had five years ago when Better Together started. And this is about a conversation, Chris. It's not about people have said what they're against. But what have we talked about what people are for yet? And that's what we can be talking about now. What are people for? We, I think we know what people are against. We don't have to beat that horse to death. But let's talk about what we can agree on, what does need to be fixed, and let's do it. The unfortunate reality is Better Together keeps poisoning the well with this conversation about the Board of Freeholders because they want it to fail, and they want to buy their way into a unification plan in the future. Yeah. And they also want the media continues, and not yourselves, of course, but yeah. and we've seen the headlines this week completely misleading, poisoning the well as to what this process could be. And it's unfortunate because it takes the conversation away from yeah. us and people like us who should be leading this. Uh, and I hope we can over the next year. Yeah. And my only well, my only thing, James, is whether it's a board of freeholders coming, letting the people decide if they want to do some type of unification or whatever name you want to call it or better together. I think the people have already spoken that they, that they do not want this. And I just think it's just kind of redundant in my small, uh, well, you small gotta, opinion. You, you got to define for me what unification is, Chris. I mean, I can tell you this 95% of, of people I've talked to love their own community, but thinks the community next to them probably should go away. Yeah. You know there's what? A lot of people, there's a lot of people that say, hey, there are communities who are failing. What are we going to do to help them or get rid of them? So, or what are we going to do about them? Are we just going to let them linger? I think there's a lot of conversation that has to be had. I mean, this, this whole idea of Unigov, I don't think we're going to go anywhere near that. I yeah, can't right. imagine it. Like I think, you said, if people haven't learned that lesson yet, then they haven't been listening. I, I just think there's the ultimate issue of black leaders in the city of St. Louis don't want any type of coming into the county unification mm. because they see the dilution uh, of their power. And then you'll see some of these mayors and black communities buying lawn and Velda village. Uh, they're going to be looking at this as white power structure, eliminating right. their communities because they don't see that they're necessary. So I, that's just the issues that I see. I agree with you. I agree with you completely. I think you'd be surprised the number of African-American leaders who are signed on to have this conversation. More so than you know, it's the younger. But are they talking about the younger? Leaders. Are they talking about dissolving their municipalities, though? I think we'll talk about that. Over All the next right. Year. <laughs> so we are almost hey, out of time. I want to be invited back, man. You will be. <laughs> oh my God, you will, you always will be. We're talking to James Knowles, the uh, mayor of Ferguson, the president of the Municipal League, and uh, Mr. Mayor. For whatever it's worth, my two cents. You know, there was no stronger uh, opponent to better together than I was um, and but I but I even admitted through that entire process there could be some uh, you know some com- combination some combining of resources you mentioned MSD earlier um, I am not interested in losing my fluorescent government my fluorescent mayor my fluorescent police department and that sort of thing 
But I do understand that there is a chance that maybe working together and having some uh, cooperation between these municipalities could be a, uh, a good thing. I just don't want to lose those individual municipalities because I feel like in, that, in those cases, uh, as a voter, I, I lose a lot of the power that I currently have. Um, so, uh, well, and, I, and I want to be voting for Tony Colombo mayor 2027. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, we've got a, we've got a very, we've got a very great mayor in Florissant and, uh, uh, I don't want to see anybody but him be mayor until he's done. And then, uh, and then Absolutely. maybe, and then maybe we'll talk. You move to Ferguson. There's, <laughs> a, ma- there's a mayorship opening up in Ferguson soon. <laughs> that, I hear. That, that's yeah. what I hear. There's a lame duck up there. So, uh, James, <laughs> James, uh, Knowles, mayor of Ferguson. Ferguson, if people want to get the truth, is there a place, is there a, a website, is there a social media outlet um, that that you guys put out exactly what the Municipal League is working on so we don't can have find- to rely on these, uh, uh, on these tainted news reports or maybe uh, incomplete news reports that we've seen so far? Or Chris Arps' analysis. I like that. that. No, that was good. I like that. <laughs> don't follow Chris Arps on social media. That's my- <laughs> I do. I love the man. Absolutely. No, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you the interesting thing that's going to be go- coming out here, as soon as this uh, Board of Freeholders is appointed, they will be autonomous and they will have their own um, uh, PR. They'll have in the past, that's always what's happened. The city and the county, both, by the way, have to split those costs evenly. And they have essentially an unlimited budget to do this. Gotcha. Um, so there's going to be a lot of information that comes out about them. The municipal League will always do our best to give you the unvarnished, fair and you know balanced view on these things. You can find us online, social media, um, and it's, uh, now we're called the uh, Municipal League of Metropolitan St. Louis, but it's still stlmuni.org. Uh, come find us. You'll find information there regularly updated. And uh, look forward to this process. Look forward to this conversation, especially with the three of us. Yeah, for sure, James. We'll have you back again real soon. That's James Knowles, the mayor of Ferguson, the president of the Municipal League, and we always appreciate yes. your time, Mr. Mayor. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. You bet. All right, we got to take a break. When we get back, we are going to talk to our friend Karen Fessler, our Iowa political insider. There's new polls to talk about. The Iowa caucus keeps getting closer and closer, and we'll talk with her about that coming up in just a few minutes. Also, Corey Lewandowski at the top of the next hour. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Week of Report, 971 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Big thanks again to James Knowles, the mayor of Ferguson, who joined us in that last segment. Got a little, got a little heated there between it you did, and the mayor. It did, you know. Yeah, that was good. Good stuff. Good information from the mayor. We appreciate him uh, coming on. If you missed the interview or you want to hear it again because you like to hear him and Chris fight, don't forget you can <laughs> always download our podcast for free. The Radio.com app is the best way to do so. Download that app to your phone or your tablet. And then uh, favorite the radio station, and you have access to everything. You can stream the station 24-7. You can download all the podcasts from all the different shows here. Uh, Again, absolutely all of it is free. And as I mentioned in that last segment, joining us now on the phone once again is Karen Fessler. She is an Iowa political insider and the, the, the eyes of the political world 
are more and more focused on the state of Iowa mm-hmm. as we close in on the Iowa caucus, sort of the f- official beginning, if we haven't already officially began, the uh, presidential election season. Karen, great to talk with you again. How's it going? Hi, Tony. <laughs> Greetings from Iowa. We're yeah. doing well. I hope Karen you all can, are, too. Karen could probably give us the hours, days, months, and minutes to the uh, yeah. caucus, right? <laughs> So last time we talked, it was, I think the last couple, two, three times we talked, it was all about Senator Elizabeth Warren and her surge in the polls there in Iowa. Uh, What is the latest happening in your state? Is it still, uh, is it still Elizabeth Warren on top of the heap or have things started to change? Joe Biden is at the top of whatever polling you're saying, but I think the excitement is for Senator Warren. She had an event earlier uh, this week and drew 2,000 people down to a riverfront amphitheater on the University of Iowa campus. And they, they said that's her largest crowd she'd ever drawn in Iowa. So that's kind of a big deal. Interesting that at the same time she was doing that, Senator Harris was also in Johnson County, which is where I am, and uh, drew a pretty nice crowd, too, at one of our local um, breweries here. So, you know, we, we had them both here, and uh, I think the, Senator Warren is the, the person to be here. There's no question. So there was a national poll came out uh, this week, a Fox News poll, that showed Vice President Biden leading, as he has in just about every national poll that's been put out uh, this entire election season. But it was his lowest lead that any poll has shown so far. So it seems like he is slipping, and it's Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are the two that are that seem to be benefiting from his slipping. Are you seeing that there in Iowa as well? Uh, as as Joe maybe loses some support, is it going to primarily Elizabeth Warren and or Bernie Sanders? Well, I think some of it's going to Senator Warren. I, I think there's some of it that's being being spread out among some of those lower level candidates. Um, Mayor Pete is making a push here, and I think he's picking up some of those Biden votes that are um, falling off from there. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that Senator Warren and Senator Sanders are the only ones who are going to pick up from uh, Senator Biden's drop. But, uh, you know, interestingly enough, Senator Harris said last night that she plans to, quote unquote, move to Iowa. Huh. Uh, so, you know, she's obviously decided that she needs to make a play here. We always say there's three tickets out of Iowa. She may be trying to get that third ticket because mm. I think Senator Biden will do well here. Senator Warren will do well here. It's going to be a battle for who that third spot's going to be. You know, one of the things that uh, about Kamala Harris is is her likability. When you see her on the debates or when you see her uh, being challenged by her opponents, she just doesn't have a likability factor about her. I remember last time we talked to you, she had gotten some key endorsement from some county leaders, and it looked like she may have be uh, making a surge, but uh, the polls are showing that uh, that didn't happen. What is it about Kamala, do you think, or what are your Democratic friends telling you? Why isn't she resonating with Iowa Democratic voters? Well, part of the reason is she really hasn't been here very much. Mm. And she's, you know, she says she's coming more often, and that'll make a difference. From what I've been told, from my Democratic friends tell me 
when you meet with her one-on-one, she's, you know, quite engaging, quite charming, and uh, that make you know, it's, it's that type of a thing. And, you know, Sarah Warren also is, is the same way. Both of them very much can uh, relate to people one-on-one, and I think that's an important thing to do, particularly in a state by, like Iowa, where retail politics is, the whole game. Now, Karen, I know this was a real shocker. The uh, Democratic uh, field shrunk by one on Friday. Uh, How shocked were you that uh, the mayor of New York uh, decided to call it quits? Well, I, I, I guess New York's loss is Iowa's gain. I'm just going to kind of look at it like that. Karen, we're talking to Karen Fessler. She is an Iowa political insider. She has been nice enough to continually update us on what is happening in Iowa as we close in on the Iowa caucus. Uh, Obviously, all the focus has been on these Democrats because there's so many of them. They are, you know, scrambling to win that Democratic nomination to go against the president. But what about the president? What about the Republican side? Is the president at all been represented in Iowa? Are are you feeling his presence uh, in the state at all yet? Yes, we have. He has a campaign in place here. He has a state director. He has people on board. His largest staff of any state is here in Iowa, and uh, we just met our uh, Trump victory person for Johnson County. She's been here on the ground since September 1st and been very busy. So, you know, the president has people here working in his behalf. There has been talk among many states that they weren't going to do away with their caucuses or their primaries. Is Iowa one of those states? Are you still going to have a caucus, even though... Uh, the president has overwhelming support. We're having a caucus. There's no question. <laughs> um, you know, there's Iowa um, is very, very protective of its first in the nation status, and we will have a caucus. Well, I mean, the Democrats have one, but Republicans skip may skip it over. That's not uh, an option. No, that's not going to be an option. <laughs> thing, you have to remember, too, the caucus is more than just the straw poll for the presidential candidates. That's where yeah, we that's start right. our organization. We elect our social committee members and start our delegate selection process at the caucus. So, Karen Fessler, Iowa Political Insider, before we let you go, uh, what is the best? We'll have you back on a bunch as we get closer and closer, so we encourage people to continue to listen to the Weekend Report because uh, Karen will come on here and give us the updates and what's happening there on the front lines in Iowa. But in the meantime, between your visits here to the radio show, what are the best ways to keep an eye on what is happening there in Iowa, watch the polls, get the pulse of the people on the street? Is there a good uh, social media site, website, anything like that that people can go to? It's a good website to go to. They have a they have a great article in there that they wrote about Senator Warren's visit here earlier in the week. And uh, the Des Moines Register also has, uh, you know, they are on Facebook and Twitter, and they have some, you know, great paper, great reporting. And that's where, when the Iowa poll comes out, it'll come out through the Des Moines Register. So um, that those are good places to go to kind of keep an eye on what's going on up here. Great stuff. Karen Fessler, we always appreciate your time and your insight, and we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Thanks, Karen. Thanks so much. Have you a great day, appreciate everyone. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye.
And we are going to take a break and wrap up the first hour of the Weekend Report. But we start hour number two with Corey Lewandowski, the former Trump campaign manager. You don't want to miss it. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. And welcome back to The Weekend Report, our number two of The Weekend Report. We certainly appreciate you being a part of the show. Tony Colombo, Chris Arps, and Carl Middleman in the studio. If you missed any of that busy first hour, we talked to Karen Fessler, uh, the political insider in the state of Iowa, about the polls there as we get closer and closer to the Iowa caucus. Uh, also, James Knowles, the mayor of Ferguson, was on with us in that first hour. If you missed any of that or would like to hear it again, don't forget you can always download our podcast absolutely free free. You can do it on our website or even better, the radio.com app. Once you download that app, you favorite the radio station and you have access to everything. 24-7 stream of the station and access to all the podcasts from all the shows here on the station, including, of course, the Weekend Report. And now, as we mentioned at the end of that last hour, joining us back on the phone again, uh, we welcome back to the show uh, a man who was the star of the show as far as the news cycle was concerned this week. Uh, Corey Lewandowski is back with us. Corey, it's great to talk with you. How you doing? Well, thanks, Tony and Chris. Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me back on, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be on with you again. Yeah, you bet. You, you, made, a, you made a lot of news this week with the... I don't even know what to call it. I think it was officially called an impeachment probe in Capitol Hill with the House Judiciary Committee. Is that uh, is that the right title of what you went through this week? You know, that, that, that's what they say. But the truth, and you know this and your listeners know this, was that was a witch hunt. That was yeah. a continuation of the attack on Donald Trump and the people around him because they have not come to the realization that the 2016 election – what, what the Mueller report said and what I knew from day one, there was no collusion and there was no obstruction. And they cannot get past the fact that these liberal Democrats who are on that committee have primary challenges and they have to be as far left as possible so they don't suffer the same fate as Congressman Capuano of Massachusetts or Congressman Crowley of New York, who lost in their primaries from far, far left progressives. That's why Jerry Nadler had that uh, circus over this week, and that's why I was called there to try and embarrass me, embarrass the president, and I wasn't going to allow it. Corey, I've watched those hearings uh, this week, and I have to tell you, I was thoroughly impressed with, with your performance. You know, many of your critics, even Democrats in the media, were saying that that was a masterful performance on how you uh, are appear, or supposed to appear before a witch hunt uh, hearing like that. Uh, were there any questions that they asked you during that hearing that you hadn't heard before? And how much did you really have to uh, prepare? Well, to be fair, I prepared an enormous amount because when you're supported by Congress, you want to go there and be prepared. And so I spent a lot of time preparing and re-familiarizing myself with as much as I could because you have to remember, some of the events that they're asking about took place more than four years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure my recollection was clear. And you know, the question that they answered, the questions that were asked of me, have already been asked and answered 
on multiple occasions, whether it was during my time with the special counsel's office on two separate occasions, whether it was the House Intelligence Committee on two separate occasions or the Senate Intelligence Committee. And they had access to all of those transcripts, as well as the FBI 302s, which are the FBI's notes of which I've never seen. So they didn't need to bring me there if they wanted to hear the same uh, answers to the same questions, because the reason I answered all the questions the same throughout all of my testimony is because it's the truth, and they don't actually want to find the truth. They want to attack this president. They want to shore up their far-left progressive base, and they want to embarrass and and impugn people like me who support this president, and I wasn't going to allow it. Corey, the Democrats are threatening uh, to indict you, or not indict you, but to uh, hold you in contempt uh, because they felt that you didn't uh, answer all of the questions. You know, you and I know that's an old uh, uh, thing that— that trick that a lot of people try to do there in government is they try to uh, lawyer, have you lawyer up and have you spending a lot of money on, you know, defending yourself from frivolous uh, charges. How worried are you about uh, being held in contempt of court by the House Democratic Committee? Well, well, there's two types of contempt. One is a criminal contempt, which is what they've held uh, Attorney General Barr in, Secretary Rawson, and that gets referred to the Department of Justice, of which Attorney General Barr chose not to pursue those charges. Mm-hmm. It's the same type of contempt that uh, Eric Holder was in. The other type of contempt is called inherent contempt, and it hasn't been used since 1935, where they actually bring a person before the relevant House, either the House or the Senate, in handcuffs, and they make <laughs> you answer questions in front of the, the House of Representatives. And if they don't like your questions, they put you in jail. Okay, that's what they're talking about doing to a private citizen who answered their subpoena, who sat there and answered every question that I was legally allowed to, they have to remember, I'm not the chief executive of the United States. The privilege of executive privilege is his and not mine. And the White House asked me to preserve that privilege so that if they wanted to exert it, they could. It's not my privilege to waive. And so at the direction of the White House and a numerous, numerous jurisprudence that has been established by both Republicans and Democrats, that's all I've done. So if they're going to hold me in contempt, uh, it may be the best opportunity to, mu- to launch a U.S. Senate campaign. In the <laughs> ah, I was going to wait till the uh, end of this interview to bring that up before I ask my next question. Now I'm going to ask you about that. Uh, are you prepared to make that announcement? Is it official that you are going to run for the United States Senate? Well, I, I wanted to get through the committee hearing of last week on Tuesday. I spent a lot of time preparing for that. And the end of the third quarter fundraising is just a few days away at the end of this month. And I want to see what the other Republicans in this race have raised to compete with Gene Shaheen. And if I don't think it's commensurate, uh, I'm going to get into that race. I'm going to win the Republican nomination. I'm going to beat Gene Shaheen because I'm going to have a fighter in Washington, D.C. for the people of New Hampshire. And if people want to support me as an exploratory uh, opportunity and get more information. It's just stand with Corey, C-O-R-E-Y dot com, stand with dot com. And you can sign up and I'm sure they'll keep you engaged. So look, if I do this, I'm going to get in this race to win because if you've seen your listeners have seen, I'm not going to back down from fights that I believe to be true and fair and honest. And I think the American people are tired of the Washington DC doublespeak. Well, when you're ready to make that announcement, Corey, we're we're here for you. When you're ready to, you, we'll give you the platform, the microphone. <laughs> I'm sure you. Well, won't thank have... you. <laughs> I wish you guys were in New Hampshire to treat even better as what you all the time. I appreciate that. You bet. So here, here was the the question that I had for you before we brought that up. You that you mentioned that um, 
that that price that process of holding you in contempt of court and it just reminds me so much of all of the desperate actions that we have seen these democrats in in congress in the senate in government uh the, the way that they have behaved since Donald Trump took office. Here's my fear, and maybe you uh, winning a Senate seat in New Hampshire would help quell this fear, but my fear is that all this is going to work. If, 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 they, have, if they can prove that four years of doing nothing but obstruction, no progress of any kind, not helping people, not putting forward bills that help the American people, not solving any problems, but simply attacking the president, attacking Republicans, making up stories and obstructing. If that somehow wins them more seats in the House or more seats in the Senate or the freaking White House, then I'm afraid that that's going to be the way that we govern this company, this country from now on. And that that scares the crap out of me. How, what do you think the chances of are, are of this working, this this tactic by the Democrats working and getting them more votes in 2020? No, no, this is going to backfire. There's no question about it. I travel the country a lot. And when you are the incumbent party in the majority, like the Democrats are right now, you have to explain why you're staying there, what you have done to solve problems for the American people. They haven't solved this opiate crisis. They haven't solved the crisis at the border. They haven't solved the crisis of health care. They've done nothing. And the American people are smart. Even though the mainstream media is by and large an extension of the Democratic Party, they still have to produce results. And they have no results to stand on. There's no rationale of why you would keep Democrats in the majority. And I believe they're going to overplay their hand because they have to stay with their base. And when Nancy Pelosi from the liberal city of San Francisco is considered a moderate amongst the Democratic Party, that should be very scary to people. And they now see that in those swing districts that Democrats won in 2018, that Donald Trump carried in 2016, those members of the Democratic caucus are begging the liberals and the far left progressives not to pursue this impeachment and to go and actually get things done. They don't have one thing that they can point to as a majority that they've accomplished on behalf of the American people. And I believe Nancy Pelosi will become the first Speaker of the House to lose the majority on two separate occasions. Corey, let's go back to your Senate uh, run for just a minute. What type of senator do you envision yourself to be once you're elected? Usually people from northeast uh, part of the country, the Republicans, they're construed as rhinos or kind of lukewarm Republicans. How would you uh, how would you describe your, yourself? Very simply, I'm a small government, uh, less taxes, less regulation uh, individual. I believe in individual freedoms. I believe in states' rights. You know, just because I would be representing a northeast state doesn't mean I don't take the values of the people of New Hampshire to Washington, D.C., because I'm not going to bring the values of Washington, D.C. to New Hampshire. You know, when you look at the incumbent U.S. senator who's up in this cycle, Jean Shaheen, she voted against Neil Gorsuch. She voted against Justice Kavanaugh. She voted to continue to fund sanctuary cities. All of this has occurred while her entire time in elective office, from governor to U.S. senator, from state senator, has gotten her very, very wealthy. And I don't believe our forefathers thought that being elected was a career. I don't believe that they thought you'd go into public office and stay there for as long as you wanted and your family has gotten rich because of it. I think that's where she has mistaken and has not produced one major piece of legislation in the 12 years she's been in the U.S. Senate that she can point to as saying, I've done good 
either for the people of New Hampshire or the American public. And if I go there, look, I'm going to be a guy who's going to go and kick the door down, fight for what's right, to make sure that we're reining in our national debt, to make sure that we're funding our military, to make sure that there's a clear distinction between Gene Shaheen's priorities, which is funding illegal immigration, and my priorities, which is putting America first. That's the difference in the ballot come November of 2020. Good Great stuff. stuff. Yeah, Corey Lewandowski, former Trump campaign manager, just a couple minutes left. Uh, Corey, you know the president on a very personal level. I don't know how often you get a chance to talk to him these days, but uh, kind of going back to the idea of the way that the Democrats and the media have treated him over his time as president, has the obstruction and the fake news and all of that, how has that affected the president on a personal level? Is it wearing him out or is it lighting a fire? No, this president looks at me and he wakes up every day and says, what else can I do to stand up for America? What else can I do to put America first? He's put this witch hunt behind him because he and I were there from the beginning, knowing that there was no collusion and there was no obstruction. I have never seen a person waking up every single day who wants to go out and fight back Mm. to do what's right for the American people like this president has done. He needs more friends and allies in Washington, D.C., and part of the reason I'm contemplating running for the U.S. Senate is so that I can be one of the president's allies, so I can stand there and make sure that when his agenda is coming to Capitol Hill, we're moving it forward. Because too often, we have now seen rhino Republicans who accept the president's endorsement in their primaries only to now say, hey, we're not sure we're going to endorse the president in his election in 2020. You know, I'm tired of those people. I want people who are going to stand fast hold the line when times get tough, and not just be politically expedient. That's what we're seeing. People are tired of it. Yeah. Corey, last question before we let you go. After the impeachment probe that you went through on Capitol Hill, we, we mentioned earlier in the interview about the, uh, the, the possibility of you facing some type of contempt charges. Do you expect to be back on Capitol Hill, and do you expect this impeachment probe to continue, are we going to see more Republicans sitting in the in that hot seat in front of that in front of Jerry Nadler and, and that committee sometime soon, or, or or is it ever is it ever going to are they ever going to move on? What, what what's the next step? You know, I I don't know the answer because clearly they can call anybody they want, they can subpoena anybody they want, but hopefully uh, after the way uh, I had the opportunity to to speak with them on Tuesday of this week about that hearing, they're going to rethink their desire to try and make a political spectacle out of witnesses who come before them. Hopefully they understand that uh, the American people are saying this is over. It's 40 plus million dollars, two and a half years. The Mueller investigation said what we already knew, no collusion, no obstruction. So look, if I'm the Democratic Party and I'm not one of those far left progressives who's trying to fend off a challenge, I'm a moderate in a competitive congressional district. I'm saying to my leadership, please stop this charade and go and solve the real problems of our country, because if we continue down this path, we will be in the minority. That's what I would be saying. So, Chris, I'm going to end this interview yes, by sir. saying I'm going to end this interview by saying <laughs> uh, the former Trump campaign manager and the next senator from the great state of New Hampshire. You think that's a good way to do this? Senator Lewandowski, that's got a good <laughs> ring to it. I All love right. it. Well, then I'm doing it. The you know what, fellas? I appreciate it. StandWithCorey.com, and you'll get more information. I appreciate your time. You bet. StandWithCorey.com. We will check it out, and we look forward to another chance to talk with you again soon. Corey Lewandowski, thanks so much for your time today. 
Thank you. You bet. All right, we got to take a break. We got more weekend report coming your way. We'll talk about some of the things he talked about and do a little more weekend review when we get back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Once again, a big thank you to Corey Lewandowski for joining us again on the show. If you missed that discussion that we just had with him, make sure you go back and check out the podcast on the radio.com app. It's all free. The app is free. You favorite the radio station, it's free. And then you can download all the podcasts from all the shows here on the station, absolutely free. Did he, is he running? Yeah, that's what I was just... <laughs> Did he he's announce? Did he announce? Yeah, did he announce? Okay. Did he announce it right here? I was asking. I think I might. I think I heard what I heard. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that was interesting. The that website's was an interesting kind of setup. a giveaway, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he has the the stand with Corey website, <laughs> and he said that he's waiting to the end of the. I, I guess the end of the month is when. Yeah. Um, the fundraising yeah. uh, numbers need to be uh, put out, and yeah. he said if the other Republican candidates don't look like they have a decent amount of money to run a good campaign, then he's going to jump in and take yeah. it. So he's running. So he's running. <laughs> Can you imagine the president in the United States stumping for you and raising money for you? Yeah, he uh, he brought that one up himself. I was mm. going to wait till the end of the interview to uh, hit him with that one and see if we could get him to make some news here on the show. But he actually kind of did it himself. Thanks. Talked about, yeah, <laughs> right? We'll take it. Um, and, and that's his number. We don't deal with anybody else. We deal uh, with him directly. Yeah, I know. I'm that's glad to stuff. have that number. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. We will have uh, Corey back on the show again very soon. Uh, he's uh, it's, it's always great to talk with him. Mm. Very interesting stuff. And, and there was no bigger newsmaker this week than Corey Lewandowski and that, uh, that uh, show that was put on by House Democrats on Capitol Hill this week. So again, if you missed any of that discussion, just go back and download the podcast and check it out. Great, great stuff. Um, wanted to get your thoughts on uh, a story, a local story here, Chris. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with the Cure Violence program? Do you know uh, what this I is? I have heard some about it. Yes, so I have a. Th- I have some thoughts on it. Okay, so there's this. For people that don't know, there's a a program called Cure Violence, which ha- is an organization that has been utilized in a couple of cities around the country. I don't think there's a a very large uh, sample size for this group yet, but they claim that if you uh, enact their program in a city, they can reduce crime and murders by. in the first year, and then, you know, even more and more as the time goes on. Go ahead. Charlie Brennan had one of these guys on on his show when he did that forum. We should probably get somebody. Yes, look into that. I can do that. that Charlie had the guy on, the guy that wrote the book, and he said that it would work here in St. Louis. So the city of St. Louis has already allocated $2 million to pay for one year of the Cure Violence program Aldermatic President Lewis Reed wants the city to right now allocate $8 million, which would fund the program for 
three years, which I don't know how those numbers were. I don't know how one year is two million and three years is eight million. Well, it's but, a target. I, I so, listened to it, okay. so I can tell you a little bit about it. Okay, um, go ahead, please. They target neighborhood by neighborhood because the people in the neighborhood know who the people are that are causing all the trouble, and you target them specifically. And you find them employment, and you get them off of the life of crime. Right. And so you steer them and all the younger people to a productive society. But you have to, like, provide them jobs and provide them insurance and all these things Mm. so they don't turn to the life of crime, which makes the investment that they would spend on them getting a real life compared to what it would take to house them in prison. So we're paying these people, essentially? Basically. Okay, so there you go. That's good information. Mm-hmm. Cure but, Violence already allocated, uh, the city's already in for $2 million mm-hmm. for the Cure Violence program. It, Lewis, e- it evens out in the end. Lewis Reed wants $8 million. The thing think? that really brought up a lot of red flags to me is is this program, which is relatively new. They make a lot of bold uh, claims on what they can do. But to go from a program we've never had, we're willing to spend $2 million on it. The, the comptroller said that she didn't want to spend that much. It was way more than she was Darlene comfortable Green, spending. Darlene Green, the comptroller. And then she, and then she has, has, got, has relented yeah. on the $2 million, yeah. but will not and, talk but about it. But it's just million. all of a sudden a program that has no track record. And here is the, the uh, Board of Alderman president wants to say, let's go $8 million. That just raises so many red flags to me to, to make you think, what is what is his connection to this? Why is he so gung-ho about this to throw $8 million yep. on a program that has no type of track record what, whatsoever? Um, I'm very dubious of the claims. We need to do something. Murder is out of control. Crime is out of control. But to throw $8 million on this I project that. like that is just But I'm kind of okay. Crazy. I'm uh, look. If you want to come here and you want to make these bold claims, and you say you only need a year, and two million will get a year, if we've I, I, that money's going to be stolen it. and grafted. Well, that's a, that's the thing about it well, that I'm worried about. Well, here's the thing: there's the money is already corrupt, and the, they're going to really right? eight million dollars, man. <laughs> well, I would no, no, would, I'm, no, no, no. I'm, no, I'm just saying if they ever got that money, I'd be afraid to, but to see how money. But I'm very interested. I'm very interested in seeing. Okay, we're going to do this $2 million. You say that that pays for a year, and you say, Cure Violence, that 30%, that you can, that one year, you can lower crime and murders by 30%. So let's see it. A year from now, if we don't see those type of results, then... Yeah. I want everybody who was involved to be held accountable. Yeah. And I'm just dubious about, okay, we're going to take these young men well, off the street. Let's hold them accountable. Yeah. We're going to take these men off the street who are selling drugs and making $500 or $1,000 a day, and we're going to get you a job flipping hamburgers, and this is better life for you. I, I just don't see how that's really going to motivate these, these now, young men to get off the get The off governor the also announced his crime reduction plan this week and basically it is to bring in a bunch of different law enforcement agencies to support the St. Louis Police Department. The alcohol, tobacco, firearms people are being brought in. The U.S. Marshals Task Force is being brought in. A certain number of state troopers are being brought in and they are all essentially now working in conjunction with the St. Louis Police Department to uh, reduce crime in the area 
Do you like that plan better than the? Cure I don't see how the idea? plan is going to work because okay. the fundamental problem is that you have an adversarial relationship between the uh, circuit attorney and the and the police, mm-hmm. and because Bingo. the circuit attorney has that adversarial relationship with the police, where she's bragging about how low her conviction rate is and how she doesn't put people in jail and she doesn't believe in bail, that she has sent out a message to the criminals that it's free reign and you can do whatever you want and she's on on your side. So I think bringing all these different police officers and all that, which they're not going to be in crime, they're going to be promote uh, uh, patrolling the highways and doing that function while the city police do the do the policing. It's so the, the same program says, that Greitens So had. the governor actually laid out where he's going to use these different agencies. Mm-hmm. The ATF is going to focus on getting illegal guns out of the hands of criminals. The U.S. Marshals Task Force is being used to go after the most dangerous and violent criminals, and the state troopers are going to be obviously patrolling the highways, mm-hmm. but the governor says that traffic violent minor traffic violations is not what they are there to do they much like the u.s marshals task force is there to help a- apprehend the most dangerous and violent criminals now so my question is the city if a, if a city police officer we know mm-hmm. from what we've seen makes an arrest or tries to do something in one of these cases they run into big trouble with kim gardner and they're unable to get any progress done if a U.S. marshal is involved, <laughs> or the or the state trooper, or the ATF is involved, and Kim Gardner tries to block their investigation or tries to block prosecution from one of those law enforcement agencies, isn't that going to create a problem for her that she has yet to she face? She doesn't care. She's already not following the law. She's already defying Supreme Court orders. So, I think she's going to be. So I think all the spotlight case, is going to be all on of her the, even brighter. All if of this these, happens. all of these cases that these people bring, she has to bring the charges. Yeah. So if she's still refusing to bring charges for their cases, it doesn't make it doesn't make any difference. But she Kim Garden and her supporters could care less about what you, I, or what well, the public thinks. Of, I agree thinks, with that. About this. I agree with that. But her saying that the city police is corrupt and she won't bring mm. charges. But then to have that fight with the U.S. Marshals and the state she's gonna troopers, say, but she's going to make the same argument. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms. But with her crowd, she's going to make the same argument. No, the I city know. of police is corrupt. The 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 the, the, the ATF is corrupt. But I these hope, people are corrupt. She's going to make the same hoping, argument. I'm just hoping that that puts a, a even brighter spotlight on you, her performance. You can't have any more brighter spotlight than you have on her now when she refuses to prosecute a person who killed a seven year old and refuses yeah. to yeah. And, and won't ind- indict them. You can't. Have a brighter that's spot a great like point. That. All right, we got to take a break. We are going to lighten the mood and have a little bit of fun. Skip Weber is finally back He's in back. the studio. Yay. Trish Gazelle from 102.5 as well. And the special edition of the Weird News Challenge. For the first time after 50 episodes, I'm not hosting. I'm playing <gasps> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. the Weird News Challenge. Trish Gazelle will be hosting and that is coming next. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. The Weird News Challenge is next on the Week of Report 97.1 FM Talk. If you lose me, you lose everything. Welcome back to the Weekend Report 97.1 FM Talk. And the studio has 
filled up. We have had a great show today. Lots uh, to go back and check out on the podcast on the Radio.com app. Ferguson Mayor James Knowles joined us. Karen Fessler from Iowa, uh, political insider up there talking about the Iowa caucuses. Corey Lewandowski, of course, joined us earlier this hour. Uh, so if you missed any of that, go back and check it out on the podcast. And now, as I mentioned at the end of that last segment, Skip Weber is here. Back. Good evening, he everyone. has returned. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. And Tris Gazelle from 102.5 is here as well. And it's time for the Weird News Challenge. And as I mentioned, yes. for the first time ever, after 50 yes. episodes, episode 51 of the Weird News Challenge, I, for the first time I'm not hosting I am playing this is your first time first playing. time playing I cannot tell you how excited uh, I am about I this. am so I honored am to be I'm excited because I always feel bad competing against Trish because if you beat her then she gets so upset <laughs> she does take it personally so fun oh, to be wait, playing without except that string of run I was on oh, I winning know. and then you were texting me like yeah. on the weekend going I'm gonna kick your butt next time he was stalking me <laughs> So <laughs> it was welcome. So I, I will you you don't have to you don't have to take any of my advice, but I would advise you to use Carl as the judges. Yes, to for be, sure. Be able to go to him for if you have a you know. A, Hopefully you don't have question. dubious questions like our other Tony, hosts. listen, no I have been working on this. I took this <laughs> very weeks. seriously, <laughs> and I had Carl come in before you guys started. I went over all the questions with him it. just to make sure, because I will tell you that there's four questions and one potential tiebreaker. Most of them do have to do with food and or entertainment. <laughs> of course. But I did throw a somewhat semi-sports in there, but I did it with a Trish, right. Trish flair, so. So, you know. All right. Well, let's right. go. Take it away. Weird ready? News Challenge Episode 51. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have to test the bubber, uh, the bubbers or yep, the buzzers. Bubbers. Chris Arbs. <laughs> Skip. Ding, 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 ding. And Tony. <gasps> Oh, yeah. Hey. Fog I'm, coming in, I'm coming in aggressive. Dave coming in loud and aggressive. <laughs> Question number one, what cold. episode of the Weird News Channel? This is, uh, oh, this is episode number 51 okay, of the Weird News over. Channel. Right. I want to do yeah, it right. First one ever hosted okay. by Trish Gazelle from episode Ever hosted by anyone. 51. Yes, that's Coleman. a fact. That's me, a fact. Okay, episode 51. Is the Katie Fitzpatrick rule in effect? No. Okay, very good. So that means we not, can buzz in anytime yes. we want. Okay. You do not have to wait until the question's completed. This is episode 51 with very the good. first guest host. I am so <laughs> glad he chose me and a woman, you know, to <laughs> fill in his big shoes. I can't okay. think of anyone that could do a better job. Four than questions. You. One does have a lot Get of over answers. It. All right, Shut here we go. Up. Why don't you guys have been interrupting me since I started? <laughs> All right, question number one. This rock and roll Hall of Famer joined Carrie Underwood to open this season's NBC Sunday Night Football. And Hank Williams Jr.? No. Why can't I why don't it's I know back that? On Monday night football. The song they sing is Waiting All Day for Sunday Night. It's been oh, in use by Sunday Night Football since. I have a guess. I didn't think he I don't think he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame though, so I'm not gonna but I'm gonna guess it. Kid Rock. No. Not uh, he's right. not in the rock. Mm-hmm. I know he's not, but it I might not, a... And it also might not be a man. I don't remember. Bon Jovi? Think, try Joan Jett. Bon Jovi? No. Try Joan Jett. Uh, he buzzed in with... Yeah. Oh, you buzzed in? Yeah. Is bon, it Joan pay Jett? attention, will you? Bon Jovi? Joan Jett. Oh, I knew oh. it! I knew it! <laughs> he said Bon Jovi, so no he, one gets no that one gets right. point. Right. Ah, God, really? I'm so mad because at myself. I knew it! 
Okay, second part. I'll give you a point if you know this. Do you know <laughs> to which song the melody is? Ding, 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 yeah. Ding, ding. Oh, yeah. I love rock and roll. Yes. No. No. Oh. oh Anyone else? Want to buzz in? Yeah, I'm going to because I'm, why not, right? Dude, <laughs> okay. It doesn't hurt you. And, um, yeah. Oh, God. That's yeah, so right? Loud. I know. Uh, waiting all day for Sunday night. Uh, You're giving it. Judge, that's not too much time. Too much time. Too much time. Too much time. I don't know. I can't think of it. All I, I, can hear is, I know it. All I can hear is a freaking God, Sunday night. I know Are you even it. men? Do you watch I know Sunday night? I knew no, the freaking... I don't watch the NFL. The Rams left and screwed us. <laughs> I've boycotted the NFL for three years. God, so was, thank you. I knew it was Joan Jett. I was just too stupid. I got stupid the answer. So I know I'll get no points. Her other song. Her other song. I got it. Okay. I hate myself for loving you. Doggone it. Oh, my God, you guys. Thank you. I thought that would have been easy. The NFL is not even a sport to me anymore. I hate to say In my defense, Hank Williams Jr. came back to Monday Night Football this year. I thought this was Sunday night. They've been using the song In my defense, I hate the NFL. 2006, (laughs) Pink was the first one to do it. Then Faith, Faith Hill, Hill. Yeah. Then, then Carrie Underwood yeah. since 2013. Well, back then, I was I watching it was NFL, so I knew that. I, I could have gotten those. Let's see if you can uh, <laughs> do better on this next one. I proved that I knew it, and I tried to. T- kept telling you, yeah, say Joan Jett. I don't trust you. You thought you were setting me up. <laughs> I'm I would never do that to you. And I love how when Partner? I said this Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, you all thought it was a man. No, I said it didn't After have to be a man. After you answered incorrectly. The, but only because I thought <laughs> it was But usually they do it. It is a man and a woman. It wasn't Rock and Roll Hall Hall of Famer. It was a duet type thing, you know. The well, she's usually in it's no, this Rock and Roll Hall I know, of Famer but joins. Usually, right, they do this stuff as Question a man and woman. Question number, yep. Question number two. Question number two. Not to be outdone by Popeyes and Chick Fil A's chicken sandwich. Wendy's. No. Yes, it is. Yeah. That, that's my buzzer. Uh, KFC, wasn't it? Well, that's not the entire no, I, question. Oh. You, already said, you already said it. Yeah, he's out. Could I, could I please <laughs> yes. have the entire question? Yes. I think can. I know it, but I, could I please have the Not to be outdone by Popeyes and Chick fil A's chicken sandwich game, KFC just started oh. testing a new sandwich with what distinctive twist? You don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, you what's their Macaroni and cheese. Oh, my God. I don't know. Are these really that hard? What is yes. it? They're using a donut as the bun. Oh, oh really? Yeah, like the Gateway Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah, so they're testing it in Norfolk, Richmond, <sighs> you know, and Wendy's Pittsburgh. Is come, did come out with macaroni and cheese. Well, and Wendy's, well, this week Wendy's, Wendy's, brain was in, teasers. Wendy's was in the whole Twitter oh argument God. with them. Yeah. All right. So that's why <laughs> Airbnb is offering people a chance to <laughs> enter this drawing to stay in this iconic TV and now... Tony. Brady Bunch. No. No way. <laughs> I'm not, I, I will drop my buzzer. Because you thought it was Brady Bunch. I did too. Can you finish the question, please? Sure. It Air- is Brady Bunch. Airbnb is offering people a chance to enter a drawing to stay in this iconic TV and now movie set. It will cost you $186 if you win. You'll be treated like royalty with butlers and ding, everything. Ding, 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 ding. Wait a minute. You already yeah. answered, didn't you? No, no, didn't. no he didn't. No, he didn't. Downton Abbey. Yes. Correct. Uh, That's point on the board. Correct. Skip has one. You thought one. it was Brady Bunch. I did. Because of the HGTV. So it's the Hyde Claire yeah. Castle and 
186 dollars mm. is all yeah, it will is. cost you, and yeah. they'll treat you. You'll have but you have butlers. to win it. It's yeah. only, you can't just go buy it for one of these. Well, it's like always suck this yeah, bad. That's what I'm saying. So only one. <laughs> no. You guys, these are stories that have been <laughs> in the news all no, this I'm week. Kidding, if I'm you kidding. even blame this on the host, I no. will not be happy. No, I blame it on me. I'm blaming it on the judge. I'm mad at myself about the Joan Jett situation. All right, question number four. They surveyed 100,000 people. Is this multiple points? Yes. Okay. How many? Eight. Okay, thank you. So you can still win. Yeah, anybody can win. Anybody Does can only win. Skip have a point? Yeah. Only Skip has okay. a point. Does he have one or two? One. One. Sorry. Over 100,000 people took an online survey of what type of cereal leaves behind the best milk. Ooh, who's eh. talking about that? Tony. Yeah. Tony. There's eight of them. Cocoa Puffs is number one. Correct. Because they got the best chocolate milk. Correct. Uh, um, These are all pretty standard too. They're not like hey, any right. ones. I'm just right. saying. Um, Reese's Puffs. Yes, that on. was number five. Yeah. Um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yep, that was number two. Which cereal leaves behind the best milk? So we have three out of eight so far. Yeah. Um, Lucky Charms. Yeah, that was number eight. Yes. Thank One you. more to clear up. One more and it's over? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have four more. Yeah. Cocoa Puffs, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Reese's Puffs, Lucky Charms. Apple Jacks. Yes. Yes! yes. That was tied for number five with Reese's now, Puffs. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> I heard Tony and Annie Fry discussing this. Doesn't matter. In the news. I know. Doesn't I'm matter. just saying that's it a little around. bit of a handicap deal. Well, I'm I saying he, was in the, he talked about it on I the air. I can't yeah, monitor. I was like, I'm, I'm not saying you should. Before. I'm you not may, saying you, you should. You may have talked about it with yeah, I'm not your people you at the dealership. I know. I heard him do it, but I only heard I only heard the very yeah, beginning. Good point. Good I only point. heard the very beginning. I had I got I out of the got car. It. You know what else? Three I, more. I thought that I was going to forget actually what they were. I, I, I keep wanting to say Frosted Flakes, but yeah. I is it okay? <laughs> well, you already won. Yeah, I know, but I I mean I still have the board right now. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I didn't think it was on. Two more. I'm I'm done. Anyone want to guess? Yeah. Fruity Pebbles? Yes, Chris Oh, yeah, I guess so. That was number four. Oh, if you get one more, you beat Skip. <laughs> uh, Fruit Loops? That's good yep, that was number six. There you go. All right, Co- what was cookie, yours? Cookie, I'm sorry, cr- one more. Cookie Crisp? No. How can Cookie Crisp not be on there? Because well, it's not. You want to <laughs> guess the next one? <laughs> the last one? Wow. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Captain uh, Crunch. Uh, yes, Frost, yeah. Captain okay. Crunch. Oh. Well, I ran. You know why I did so good on this? Because Tony I grew up on Tony blew that one away. Yes. All right. You want did the tiebreaker? So I won, huh? Sons? Three, one. Yeah. I won. Skip, here's I haven't beat you in years. Yeah, let's hear what the tiebreaker was. Uh, the average. <laughs> yeah, this That's not true. They did a poll. The average American overspends by how much a week? Overspend? And Percentage num- or money? Like a dollar amount? M- Money-wise. And the number budget. one way they overspend is buying stuff online. Groceries was number two. They overspend so a week. How much? Hundred dollars a week. Skip. Want to guess? I will say. Well, I get to go last because I get. That's okay, true. Chris. I'm going to say a hundred and one dollars. I'm going to say one hundred and two. <laughs> Skip's the big winner. <laughs> the average American overspends by a hundred and forty-three dollars mm. a week, and that comes out to about seventy-four hundred dollars. I love this game. Great job, yeah. Trish. I don't know. Well, yeah, do you if think you those... discuss the answer with your the co-host <laughs> do you in think the next those studio, questions were too hard. No, no, the, those the, were the great. questions are fine. Yeah, I should have gotten Joan Jett. I screwed yeah. that up. Yeah. Um, 
No, those were great. Yeah. That was great. Well, that was good. That was great. Tony. Yeah, good job, yeah, Tony. Good job. His first time playing. I wanted to get on the scoreboard so bad. I'm that's, telling you, this is what I happened wanted. to me, though, too. I won my first time playing, had a good run, and then just tanked. I'm, I'm going back but to But you weren't giving the answers up front like Tony was. Oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> and he's not going to play again until the 100th episode. Yeah. So next gonna, time. Next time, the, uh, next time Tony's in the, with on the Annie Fry show and they do hey. some kind of list of something, he'll play again. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. Right? I want to host again if you ever want to play I, again. No, I'm never going to play again, so I can always say I'm undefeated. <laughs> right. Good strategy. Yeah, right? I'm Good unde- strategy. I'm, I'm the only one that's undefeated. Um, well, we have a few minutes before the end of the show. Uh, Carl, we talked last week about – share a mic with Trish um, – uh, the Oops. new practice facility for the St. <laughs> Louis Blues. I was out there. Yeah, you were out there. And then also the Blues made uh, a couple of pieces of news this week. Their names are now officially on the Stanley Cup, yes. which is pretty cool. Yes. Yep. That is cool. What's not cool is they're bringing back those god awful '90s jerseys with the, the clown red jerseys, the Mike Keenan jerseys. I hated those jerseys. Only for three games a year. I right, know, it's three games. What are, yeah, what are, three you, games what, what are you guys think of that? I like it. I like I like throwback stuff like that. I Here, do too, but not the me, why throw back I, to the worst jerseys. I in the wore those. Of the I've got a. I've got a sign, I did too because I've I was got in the a 90s, signed Gretzky jersey in that. In that yeah, hotel. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne was yeah. in that jersey. I know. That's the that. jersey Wayne Gretzky I, I've played. I've got a signed Gretzky jersey with that. It was that still an ugly right jersey. Here. Oh, it is. But so here, you ever seen the Houston Astros throwback jerseys? Uh, you ever seen the orange? Yeah, the Chicago White Sox. I mean, there's a lot of out- ugly jerseys. There are out ugly there. Cardinals can... jerseys as well. Yes. How yes. Uh, how awesome is that? Uh, is that playoff facility? It's beautiful. Our practice facility. The sound. They they. The sound system is not great yet. You can't understand. Like when Panger and Curbs were talking, you couldn't understand what they're saying because it's not. It's not built for acoustics. It's built for to skate and for people to uh, great sight lines but they will fix the sound because a lot of people came up to me and say, I couldn't hear the music yeah. you were playing I couldn't hear what they were saying but it will get better that was the first major event that they had and for that it was great and it it did exactly what it needed to do. The first preseason game is tomorrow, yeah, Sunday afternoon at 2.30. That yes. is absolutely amazing. Uh, before we go, I have to say uh, congratulations. My daughter had a big week. My uh, my 16-year-old daughter, our oldest, um, she is going to be second chair, first row of the high school orchestra this All year. Right. Wow. Way to go. And that she is, is on homecoming court. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, right? Oh, that is nice. She's those, those two things are often, often mutually exclusive so in wait, high school. Does she, <laughs> that's a very good exactly. point. That's a very good point. Does she have a date to the dance? Uh, and do no. you know this? Gen- oh, okay, she does not, not have a. I was wondering how so, that would go over no, with you. All, with a group all of the sixteen-year-olds out there right, that listen to the Weekend Report. <laughs> yeah, they're all the sixteen-year-old men. A single girl up north. Yeah. I'm gonna have yeah. Skip stand yeah. behind me when somebody comes <laughs> to pick up it, her. Any six, seven feet tall. Any sixteen-year-old is listening to the Weekend Report. They could date my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd City. Skip, real quick, real quick. Uh, what's happening, to Weber? Brutal. Come on. So one more week left in the month. Uh, September has been phenomenal, always is. You got great deals on 2020s for the first time, uh, and still the closeouts on 19s with plenty in stock. So lots and lots of stuff to choose from. Please check out the website, WeberChevrolet.com. We'd love to get you a car this month or next month or whenever. Just check us out because um, I think we got the best deals and the best selection in town. Great stuff, and thanks for uh, for, uh, letting me win.
I didn't let you win. <laughs> and thank you to Trish, Trish for hosting. Trish, Trish found out what you, you talked you. about with Annie and made a question. <laughs> she well, did not I like know. <laughs> you listened to it, Skip. All right, don't forget we had <laughs> only a. Uh, heard the first one. We had a crazy, crazy show today with James Knowles, the Mayor Ferguson, Corey Lewandowski, Karen Fessler from Iowa. Go check it all out on the podcast on the Radio.com app. And for my partner Chris Arps, yes, our producer Carl Middleman, I am Tony. Colombo, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Weekend Report. We'll see you back here next week on 97.1 FM Talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.